Hi, I'm Arnav Rostoki, and this is Satvik Srinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in, and what a way to end off this extremely unique 2020-2021 season. Uh, there's a lot to dive into, a lot that took place over the weekend. Let's get right into it. Yeah, first off, before we talk football, we need to really appreciate what the NFL was able to do this season and to all those healthcare workers out there and really just how the protocols have played out, having pr- player safety as the number one priority and just hats off to everyone that really made the season happen. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of times throughout the season, two or three, you know, with the Titans outbreak, especially it was extremely worrisome and there were a lot of times where we didn't even know if we would make it to the Super Bowl so shout out to everyone who made this possible in the NFL organization and especially the healthcare workers who continue to persevere all right with that let's start and really unpack this I guess you could say a disappointing Super Bowl didn't really live up to the expectations the hype but I mean Super Bowl viewership was like I think what lowest since 07 and kind of because the everyone turned it off after it was what halftime I would say maybe the halftime show yeah and you know for for legacy this is this is a really big game because now Tom Brady just won his seventh ring and you know we thought Patrick Mahomes would be the guy to really if anyone to surpass Brady and now it's going to take him like seven more wins of his own because Brady sort of has the tiebreaker against Mahomes head to head. So I'm not saying it's impossible, but it looks really hard now. Just like the situation. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at this, we, we were talking about this at the beginning of last week's episode where it's like it, the goat conversation is going to come down to two guys. And, and we know this, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, the, present versus Tom Brady the past and and the person who would have the bragging rights to the title would really be the winner of this game because in in your resume when you're reviewing it you know you can say I beat this guy in the biggest game in the world in the biggest game in football and really you know it, it kind of puts a stain on Mahomes resume now you know maybe 10 years we look back and you know Mahomes is vying for the GOAT position and you know it's like did you beat Tom Brady was it even close and so how much do you think it it really impacts Mahomes and Brady and and the debate that you see here over the GOAT conversation well here's the thing the GOAT conversation is like it's separate from football really that that's the GOAT conversation is between like who is the greatest to ever do it and you know, the fact that Mahomes just lost his football game doesn't mean that Mahomes is a bad quarterback or Mahomes didn't deliver or Mahomes was unable to to really go head-to-head with Brady. It was just he, – he was really playing his butt off, Patrick Mahomes. He was making some incredible throws. And the Buccaneers' defense was just better in this game. The Buccaneers the, – the whole Buccaneers team showed up and they were the better football team on Sunday. And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes – played a perfect game and his team let him down. That's not true. Everyone on Kansas city has responsibility to bear for this loss, but you know, when it really comes to that goat conversation, the rings are really what's going to ultimately decide that. 
And looking on this, whatever, 15, 20 years from now, there's always going to be that group of people that say that Mahomes couldn't get it done against Brady. And whether that's fair or not, it's, it's true that head to head Brady won in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes. And that's not, that's never going to change. Well, say we end off with the same amount of rings. Say Brady has seven rings. You know, he retires, what, one year, two years from now. And Mahomes, at the end of his career, whenever that may be in the future, he has seven rings. So now if you're comparing both of their resumes, I don't know. I, I think we should just end the GOAT conversation for Mahomes and Brady. I think, I think Brady is the undisputed GOAT. Because even if Mahomes gets eight rings, he wasn't able to beat Brady. And it's not even like the game was close, you know? If it was, you know, a 27-24 affair like it was in week 10 where, you know, Tom Brady maybe made a game-winning drive and, you know, he just set them up in field goal position and it was that type of close game, then maybe you could make the argument. But it wasn't even like – it was a complete blow. I mean, Patrick Mahomes couldn't do anything. He, he looked like he didn't even deserve the MVP award that he got two years. I mean, he played horrible. So, I, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm just like, man, you might as well end the GOAT conversation. It doesn't matter how many rings Mahomes have. It's, it's seven, seven, nine, seven. It doesn't matter. It, it, this is always going to be there on the resume. It's going to be lingering. All right. I'm going to have to say this. And I, I know, as I said, the GOAT conversation is different from football. You know, that's who is the most accomplished quarterback. It's not necessarily who I know we say it's the greatest of all time, but it's, it's really, it's what it is, is who has the the best resume. But you said that, you know, Mahomes wasn't able to, and Mahomes looked like a guy that didn't deserve the MVP. And I just don't agree with that at all. And to me, really Patrick Mahomes was playing he, he was doing everything he could. He was making some insane throws, okay? To say that – I don't think it's right to say that Mahomes was, like, the reason they lost or anything like that. Because the, the way you phrased it, you know, I don't know, it sounded like Mahomes was the guy that was holding this team back from beating Brady. And that's yeah, not no, true. okay, okay. I'm, I'm actually really glad you pointed it out. Yeah, I, I just want to take a step back here and, you know, sort of tra- uh, trace back what I said. Uh, yeah, by no means do I mean – that you know Mahomes was holding his team back he was the that he was the reason they lost no I'm just saying he didn't do good enough you know like he was playing really really you know he was give, he was trying his hardest I, I know there's that picture of him just throwing it sideways but you know at the end of the day 31-9 was the final score it was the final score but but my question to you is do you think, honestly, was Patrick Mahomes getting the help he needed and was he put in positions to really succeed in that game? Do you truly think that he was put in positions to honestly succeed? Well, I mean, the answer to that is no. There, there's no other right answer. It's no. You know, both tackles are out. You know, nobody's getting open. Credit to that Buccaneers defense. They're playing exceptional. But all, all I'm saying is this. 10 years from now, when you look back at this GOAT conversation and you ask yourself, who has the better resume? Who is the GOAT, Brady or Mahomes? It will be Brady. It will be Brady. There's no way around that. Brady beat Mahomes in the biggest game in football, fair and square. 
end of conversation. Brady is going to be the GOAT. There, that, that's what I'm saying. We, we should stop the Mahomes-GOAT conversation immediately. There's no point because it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Brady is the undisputed GOAT of all time. See, I understand what you're saying. And, and that's why I keep saying this. You know, the GOAT conversation is it's different from football. It's something – it's its own category. And it really just comes down to the resume. And the really the, the problem I have with the GOAT conversation, and it's not – I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady here, but football is the ultimate team sport. And when you're crowning someone the greatest of all time, right, and it really comes down to individual accomplishments. And when we bring up Brady, it's he won seven Super Bowls, right? That's what we say. But the all on each one of those – Super Bowl winning team, there were 52 other guys on the roster. And that's not just, I'm not taking anything away from Brady, but I'm just saying that for every single one of those Super Bowls, it took 53 guys to come together and win it. But when we're talking GOAT, when we're talking the GOAT conversation, we're looking at one guy's resume. And I just, I agree that Mahomes is not really, it it looks like he's not going to be able to catch up with Brady. And Brady has just won too many of these for Mahomes to really have a chance. But I don't think it's fair to say that it's because Mahomes is not. I could even make the argument that Mahomes could be a better quarterback than Brady, but that doesn't make him the GOAT. You know, that's the difference. And yeah, there, there's a huge, you know, Aaron Rodgers is ultra talented. He's more talented than Brady, but he's not the GOAT. He's, he's not the GOAT. He doesn't have the rings. He doesn't have the resume to back him up. Well, you know, you're, you've been talking about, the team, the 52 guys a lot. Why don't we dive into uh, the teams, uh, you know, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs and what, what really happened? You know, we, we both said uh, we, we were sort of on opposing sides here about what would it need to happen for the Bucs to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you said that it would be the Bucs offense that would lead them to the championship. I said it was the defense. Looking back, 31 to 9. Who, what do you think really was uh, the key force in the Bucks win? Was it, was it, was I correct? Are you, you want to concede that I was right? Because th- that defense, I mean, they were dangerous. They were something on Sunday. Or do you think you were right with the offense? No, actually, I, I think we were both right. And here's what I'm going to say, right? This Buccaneers team, they played, they played a flawless football game, like pretty close to flawless. And that defense, you know, I even said that. That was my bold prediction that they were going to hold Kansas City under 30 points. But I did not see this. I didn't see them holding Kansas City to nine points, three field goals, not a single touch. I don't think this is what you meant by (laughs) under 30 points. Absolutely not. That's not what I meant. And even offensively, too, with Timba, they were so efficient. And that's not the football team that we saw all season. Yeah, and in that first half, the, the Buccaneers were so efficient moving the ball down the field. They scored three touchdowns and a fourth drive that ended at the one yard line. So this was really just a Buccaneers team that was able to run the ball. Tom Brady was smart getting the ball out. They were doing all the right things. The play action was working. And if you look at, you know, even defensively for the Bucks, just taking advantage of the offensive line injuries, getting after Mahomes, they ran those, three safety packages that really gave Kansas city trouble. And it it was just a perfect storm for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay did everything right in this game and Kansas city couldn't get anything going at all. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have dreamt up a better game for Tampa Bay. I mean, they were perfect. They're everything. 
flawless execution as well. And yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think to some extent we were both right. You know, you were talking about, you know, last week how Tampa Bay's offense just needs to do everything normally, you know, just catch the ball, run the play, you know, just these normal things that they were messing up throughout the season. And, you know, all of those mistakes were just eliminated. I mean, they played efficiently, flawless, simply, you know, they were focusing instead of the deep play, every single play, it was 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, run the ball, get a play action in there, up Gronk is in the end. It was just calm, patient offense. And, you know, some your, your normal Brady offense that, that just does everything right. They don't mess up. And that defense, I mean, if you were to say that you predicted what that defense would have done to Patrick Mahomes, no, nah, no, nah, nah. nah, you're, you're a hundred percent. I don't know what you're thinking. I mean, it, it was incredible. Levante David and Devin White, they held their own against Travis Kelsey. Those three safety looks that you were talking about, Tyreek Hill had nowhere to go. I mean, everywhere you, you know, there would be double coverage on any part of the field. So, and you know, constant pressure. This was perfect for Tampa Bay. I mean, Hats off. Congratulations. I mean, we both were, have been sleeping on them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Wild card round, divisional, conference. I mean, we're just sleeping. Yeah. And, you know, we always think that this Kansas City Chiefs team, they're never out of game. And, and I ask myself, what changed in that Super Bowl game? Why were they not able to come back? And I, I think it's a combination of things. Of course, you know, the injuries. You, you really ask yourself, would this game – or how differently would this have would this game have gone if Kansas City was healthy on the offensive line? And secondly, penalties. You can't question that. Because if they don't have those that series of penalties at the end of the second half, you know, you go in to at halftime in an eight-point game, not a 15-point game. And then I think if it was a bit closer, I think the Chiefs would have been able to stick to their game plan, play it on terms. And, you know, they were, they were able to make adjustments. But the key for Tampa Bay was holding them to field goals, not touchdowns. Because if you turn those nine points, three field goals, into three touchdowns, we're looking at a different football game. It would have been different. Kansas City would have been in a position where they can run the ball, they can get it to their checkdowns, they can just take what the defense is giving them. But when you're down by so many points, Kansas City was just one-dimensional. Every single play – Patrick Holmes threw the ball 49 times in this game, and you can't win. Even with having Patrick Mahomes, if you're throwing the ball 49 times, it's because you're behind. It's because you can't run the ball. It's because he's just running around trying to make something happen. And there were some phenomenal throws, and I was just like, dude, this guy is playing his butt off. And it's just tough. And I'm not going to say that Patrick Mahomes was perfect in this game, but you know, I really did admire that he was fighting until the end. And these, these guys were fighting, but it, it just wasn't their day. You know what teams you just described? The Seahawks and the Bills. Russell Wilson running around the entire time. No running game. The offensive line constantly breaking down. The Bills in the playoff game, the championship game against the Chiefs. Undisciplined penalties. And just 
reliant on Josh Allen to bail them out in situations. And we saw these two teams eventually crash and burn this season. And that's what happened in the Super Bowl. That is the most direct comparison for Kansas City that you could make. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks and Josh Allen and the Bills. And we saw how both of those teams went down and Kansas City went down just like that in the Super Bowl. Yeah, actually, that's a terrific comparison that you laid out. I think it's just perfect to really just explain what happened to Kansas City. And and I just want to be straight about this, right? Just because of this one game now, we can't all act like Kansas City is a horrible team and they're about to miss the playoffs next year. And we got to hit the brakes. You know, Kansas City, at least I firmly believe that Kansas City is going to be back. If they can keep the core group of guys together, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, Tyron Matthew, you know, keep the core group of guys together and keep, you know, have a good supporting cast. I think this Kansas City Chiefs team is going to be back. But honestly, you know, this, this could be, you know, a humbling loss for this team. And they could really, you know, self-scout, really look at where things went wrong. And, and they could come back even stronger. Yeah, and I will say it was much needed given that they're like a crazy like 24-2 and two in the last two, three seasons. So, I mean, it was a very necessary humbling loss because this team, I mean, they've been outrageous. So, to say that they played one bad game in their last three seasons and say they're out of it, they're completely gone, yeah. Yeah. you have to be crazy to say that. I just want to say one more thing here about this game. You know, I was watching this game with my dad, and, and he, you know, he said to me, that, you know why Tom Brady is the GOAT? It's not because he knows how to score touchdowns. It's because he knows how to get first downs. And I think that's really, that, that's really his greatness and his, his mental ability to process defenses, get the ball out. And that was just on display in that game. Time after time. It wasn't that Tampa Bay was hitting these 60-yard plays down the field. It was that efficiency that we hadn't really seen consistently all year, but this team figured it out in the biggest moments. And if you just go back and watch that game, Tom Brady was just distributing the ball, not taking any sacks at all. And the word that just keeps coming to mind is efficiency. And that's Tom Brady's strength. That's his MO. That's what makes him the GOAT. And he, he will never hesitate to take a five-yard check down, man. And, and that's what makes him great. Yeah, that, that, that's honestly a great way to end off our final coverage of the Super Bowl here. Uh, first downs, not touchdowns. That's what, that, that's what makes a team. First downs, not touchdowns. All right, so while the big game was on Sunday, we had another special event going on Saturday, the NFL Awards. And, I mean, the, there are a lot of awards here that the NFL, I think this is one of the first years where – nearly all of them they got absolutely correct and you know I, I hate to you know give an award to somebody because you know there's so many other guys who had exceptional seasons and you know it's so hard to pinpoint one but the group of guys that the NFL assembled here and, and they and you know voters picked out I mean this is this is pretty accurate let's start with the rookies here offensive rookie of the year we got Justin Herbert and defensive rookie of the year, we got Chase Young. What do you think about these selections here? Yeah, these are two phenomenal young talents here. 
Justin Herbert for the Chargers and Chase Young for Washington. And the, the only thing I would see here that I probably would change is that Justin Herbert got the Pepsi Rookie of the Year award. And, you know, Justin Jefferson's a guy that had a phenomenal year. I might have given Justin Jefferson the Offensive Rookie of the Year because, you know, Justin Herbert got the Rookie of the Year award because, you know, that's what kind of happened with the MVP. You know, Rodgers got it. But then the Offensive Player of the Year was Derrick Henry to get, you know, two guys recognition. I might have gone that route here. But that's the only thing I would say there. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, speaking of the offensive uh, offensive player of the year, you know, I was just going to go to it. Derrick Henry, uh, I mean, phenomenal. 2,000-yard rushing season, throwing grown men like ragdolls. I mean, phenomenal season for Derrick Henry. And great to see him uh, be awarded at, uh, you know, recognized out of, a, a tremendous group of guys who were nominated for this award. Yeah, there, there's just some guys we could watch every single week, and, and we, we're never going to get tired of it. You know, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, the Brady's, and, and Derrick Henry. Like, just he, he's just special, man. Derrick Henry can do things that, that very few human beings on this planet can do. And, and to even call that man a human being, he, he's a freak of nature, really. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – he was built different. He, he was just built different. And speaking of guys who are built different, Alex Smith, man, winning AP Comeback Player of the Year. That was so, it was so nice to see. And, you know, with Joe Theismann narrating that comeback story, that whole montage. I mean, it was really, really nice to see Alex Smith back. Yeah. And, you know, with Alex Smith, I just have so much respect for him and what he's doing. And, and even if he didn't, you know, win this division, just the fact that he's back and playing football. And this is a guy that's made a lot of money in his career. He's not playing to make money here. He's playing because he loves football and because he loves that group of guys that he's playing with. And th- that's all you, you want from your quarterback, you, any player that steps onto the field. He's playing for the love of the game and for the love of the guys that he's playing with. And just, yeah, just hats I mean, off. just, yeah, like you said, hats off to the dude. He, he truly loved the sport. You know, he could have called it quits. He could have retired uh, after that injury, but he chose the hard way. He chose to fight back and, you know, to see him on the football field. I mean, truly an inspiration. Uh, let's, let's look at the coach of the year here, because I think out of all the awards, this one was one of the most deserving, especially going to Browns coach Kevin Stefanski and an organization, a team that has been through so much and to see them back in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Just congratulations to Stefanski, the Browns, that entire team. Yeah, and I think coach Stefan, I think head coach Kevin Stefanski is just, he, he's, he's an example of why coaching is so important in this league. All that talent you had on that Cleveland Browns roster, what did it amount to last season? A 6-10 and 10 record. But, you know, when you bring in the right head coach, you bring in the right guy to lead this team, to put them in the best position to succeed, and you saw what they could do, heading into Pittsburgh in a playoff game and just destroying a team that had been – on the receiving end of these blowouts. And this year they proved 
who they really can be. And it's a large part of that is head coach Stephen, Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, and I'm, I'm so glad he got the recognition and props that he deserves here. All right, I saved the best two for last. Defensive player of the year. It went to Aaron Donald. But I will add that a lot of people took exception to this because TJ Watt, 15 sacks, he was also up for this award. And a lot of people are saying it's highway robbery. I I personally think it's highway robbery. I I truly believe that TJ Watt earned this award over Aaron Donald. What are your thoughts on this debate? Because I I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, Hats off to Aaron Donald. Congratulations. I mean, he had a terrific season, but I just think TJ Watt was more deserving. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These are, these are two phenomenal players. You know, I don't have a strong opinion either way. I would not have a single problem if JJ Watt, uh, <laughs> if TJ Watt got this award, he is just an incredible t- player in his own right. The same for Aaron Donald. And I, I honestly these are two cream of the crop, two of the best defenders we have in the game. And I don't really have an opinion either way. I would be, you know, best case scenario, I would have given them co-defensive player of the years, you know. Is that a thing? Has, has that happened where they give a co-award ever in the NFL? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but hey, you know, I would say that's a pretty nice solution to this. Yeah. <laughs> Good solution to these debates. Modern problems require modern solutions here. All right. And the MVP, this was, I mean, I don't know if this was close in terms of voting, but Aaron Rodgers got it over Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, a lot of us did think that Aaron Rodgers would get it, but you know, just, just your thoughts on this award, because he had an incredible season here, incredible offensive season. Yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. Aaron Rodgers, just had a tremendous year, you know, just reminding people of what he can do with a good football team, with a good roster around him. And, you know, you get the sense that MVP really, it's an award that you want to give to the, the fresher, you know, newer story, you know, Patrick Holmes just won it a couple years ago. So I understand that, but just because Rogers won this award doesn't mean that Mahomes is any lesser of a quarterback, but, you know, in this 2020 season, Aaron Rodgers really stood out. He was a big part of the success that this Green Bay Packers team had. And I, I think it, it was a deserve this award was deserved. Yeah, I, and I feel like it's a misconception, you know, if you win the Super Bowl, the other team's just horrible. Or you win the MVP and the other the other person who didn't win it, they're they're just completely garbage at this point. The Super Bowl and the MVP are sort of like cars. Would you rather have the Bugatti or the Ferrari? If you choose the Bugatti, that doesn't make the Ferrari completely trash. And if you choose the Ferrari, that doesn't make the Bugatti completely trash. They're both two incredible cars. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, still both two incredible players, even though Rodgers won the MVP. And, you know, I will say, and, you know, I I just want to say, you know, Jordan Love, I think the Packers are playing – this strategic game here where they try to get Aaron Rodgers motivated drafting Jordan love in the first round last year. I don't know. I, I, that might be a really, really good reason why Aaron Rodgers turned it up this year. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, dude, if you have to spend a first round quarter, first round pick on a backup quarterback to get your franchise guy motivated, I don't know what that says about. Aaron hey, Rogers, I'm just but... saying. I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. But you know, we all know it was. It's for the future, life after yeah, Rogers. Yeah. But I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know. Yeah. That extra motivation, extra juice, yeah. that was definitely in Roger, the back of yeah. Roger's head. No, that that surely did, you know, put a chip on his shoulder, you could say. But honestly, I think just they didn't think they could pass up on Jordan Love's talent. I don't know exactly how that played in within that locker room or anything like that. But it, it's clear that Aaron Rodgers just turned it on this year and that just a phenomenal year. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 32nd episode of our podcast, The Backfield Rift. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be taking an in-depth look at the AFC and NFC North divisions, looking at how these teams' seasons played out and how they should approach this upcoming 2021 offseason. Until then, it's been Satvik Srinivas and Arnav Rastogi. Stay safe and take care.